0: Hello there! You're about to hear the adventures of Boba Fett as he transports Han Solo's carbonite body from Cloud City to Jabba the Hut. But before we do that, a quick note from the Star Wars skinny. Hello there.
1: Uh, I appeared on another podcast, uh, Hyperspace Heroes. Please go check them out. I talked about the current Star Wars comics. Uh, there are three original trilogy fans that haven't gotten as deep into like, the current Marvel canon comics, uh, so I was happy to talk about it, give a little primer there. If you're interested in that, please go check out their podcast and uh, leave them a five-star review because that's a great show, that's why I decided to, to go on. Anyways, I'm going to be talking about some comics today, the War of the Bounty Hunters series, so stick around for that skinny. Welcome to the Star Wars Skinny, where we give you the skinny on all things Star Wars right after we get skinny just me today. I'm going to be doing a probably a pretty long episode, so I needed to get real skinny before this one. I played 10 Beat Saber tracks all on expert difficulty, got broke a sweat, so I'm here to talk about War of the Bounty Hunters. War of the Bounty Hunters is a crossover event for Marvel Comics, so we have our uh, Star Wars mainline comic that started in 2020, the Darth Vader one, um, as well as Dr. Aphra and Bounty Hunters. All of these comics, which have their own runs, that have their own stories, kind of meet up at some points and have crossover events. This one was a big one. It tells the story of Boba Fett's journey from Cloud City to Jabba's Palace with Han and Carbonite. Uh, He doesn't go straight there. There are some detours, there are some complications, and uh, there's a lot of bounty hunters that want Han Solo. There's a lot of crime syndicates that want Han Solo. So it it turns into like an all-out throw all your action figures on a table and play with them. It, w- it was really fun. This comic series, at least the mini-series that it all centers around, was written by Charles Sewell, art by Steve McNiven, Luke Ross, David Messina, colored by Laura Martin and Niraj Minan, and lettered by Travis Lantham. Since this was a giant crossover event, all of these other, uh, like, mainline comic series, they have their own writers and artists and all that stuff, so... I'm not going to call out everyone involved, but please go check out those comics if you're interested. And before you even listen to this episode, if you're interested in reading, like, five comics, go do that. Like, it's really fun, and uh, I don't want to be the one to to spoil things for you. But I know there's a good portion of my audience that doesn't get into the comics at all, so I want to just talk about this comic, what I loved about it. I'm going to walk through the full story from all of the uh, different comic series, Star Wars, Vader, Afra, Bounty Hunters, and the crossover event. And there's some one-shots surrounding some other Bounty Hunter characters, too. So I'm going to walk through all that in an order that makes sense to me. I'll, as I get going, I'll, like, call out what comics I'm reading from. But towards the end, I, I try to tell, like, a, a story all in chronological order. So I might uh, not be 100% accurate when I say something appears in which comic. So with that, let's get
0: started. War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha! Boba Fett, the galaxy's most dangerous hunter, claims the bounty of notorious smuggler and rebel, Han Solo. Jabba the Hutt eagerly awaits Fett's delivery of Solo's carbonite frozen body to Tatooine, where the crime lord will exact his final revenge. Han Solo's debt is thus paid, but Boba is desperate for a payday himself.
1: The first issue starts with Bib Fortuna calling Boba, he's micromanaging, uh, is is uh is Han gonna be here? Is he gonna be alive? Uh, uh, uh. uh, Han starts like thawing out. So Boba's like, "Oh crap!" And he hangs up on Bib. Uh, Boba then takes him to Doc Ragan. He's a Basilisk, like Dexter Jetster from Dex's Diner and Attack of the Clones. Obi Wan. So Boba Fett. Uh, Doc Reg- C- Crab Rangoon. Uh, he says he'll fix Han. If Boba settles a score for him, he just lost a lot of money betting on pit fighters against Kanja Club Huts, which Kanja Club, tell that to Kanja Club from The Force Awakens, the two gangs that are, that eventually get eaten by Wrathars. but um, one of those gangs was Kanji, or Kanji Club, and apparently the leadership of Kanji Club involves Huts. so that's interesting. So, as a favor to Crab Rangoon, Boba uses Nano Spray Paint to dye his armor black, and he enters these fights as the Beskar Brawler, Jango. He defeats a bunch of characters, Johnny the Sting, Skullicon, this Duros, like, Cad Bane species, he ends up decapitating that guy, so that was fun, uh, Big Bot, and then finally Wormen Lictor, the guy that, or the, I think she, she's like a big spider, it can wrap Boba in webs and crawl around and she literally looks like a spider like she's got the big like I don't know the big butt I don't know what you call that on a insect insect uh fans help me out there he kills her with fire and becomes the new champion uh when he leaves he tries to get his money but kanji club like shakes him down like no you can't just walk away from this you killed our our champion and we had a lot of money invested in her and he just walks away Boba then gets back to Crab Rangoon, and he finds him dead, and Solo's gone. Thus begins the War of the Bounty Hunters. War of the Bounty Hunters, Jabba the Hutt, number one. In this story, we learn that a spymaster, or like, old favorite bounty hunter of Jabba the Hutt, Deva Lampop, Lampop? Diva Lampop is back, and Jabba hires her to check in on Boba. She's very sneaky. Uh, it turns out we get this whole backstory flashback between her and Boba, but I'm going to skip all that because that's not really part of War of the Bounty Hunters. She charmed Crab Rangoon into spilling uh, that he fixed the Carbonite Matrix, so Han is no longer thawing out. Uh, Diva did not tell Jabba any of this though, so it's clear that she's working for someone else. This other group was responsible for killing Crab Rangoon and stealing Han. It wasn't Jabba. Diva Lompop is a really interesting character. Uh, she looks like a punk rocker And she's very colorful, very perfect, like, comic book character appearance. She's got, like, this really colorful hair. It looks like a peacock. Uh, She can detach her jaw and eat people, and she's, like, 200 years old. She appears in the High Republic and the current Star Wars timeline. So, very interesting character. Hope to do a skinny on her one day.
0: Star Wars number 13!
1: Chewie tells Luke that a buddy of his saw Boba Fett on Nar Shaddaa, and this buddy turns out to be Sagwa from Solo A Star Wars Story, the other... Wookiee that they rescued from the mines of Kessel. When they get there, it's Luke, Chewie, and the droids. They're mistaken for Boba's friends because they're asking about him. And then Kanja Club, tell that to Kanja Club, they pass Boba's debt onto them. Uh, and they aren't going to pay it, so there's a big fight. Uh, the heroes eventually escape. I think Luke's like blocking laser bolts with his yellow lightsaber because Luke has a yellow lightsaber in the comics now. It's really cool. And they like hijack a speeder and get away. But Kanja Club snitches to the Empire that there's a Jedi on Nar Shaddaa. Also some minor little plot things that don't really matter for War of the Bounty Hunters, but Sagwa joins the Rebellion after this, so we could get more Sagwa content. And R2-D2, just out of nowhere, shares a list of known Jedi outposts with Luke. He's had it since he plugged into the Death Star back in Episode 4, so maybe this is just them plugging that into the, the timeline now so we can say, okay, so Luke knows where a lot of these like High Republic Jedi sites are that's how he's able to build up the Jedi Order after uh, Return of the Jedi and then this issue closes with Leia getting a call and it says someone is claiming to be in possession of Han Solo and tells the crew like hey someone's claiming to be in possession of Han Solo like come on we got to find out more about this.
0: Bounty Hunters number
1: 12. Uh, We cut to the Bounty Hunters comic, it's Dengar and Valence. So Dengar was one of the Bounty Hunters that you see in The Empire Strikes Back. He's the mummified, or he's got like mummy wraps on him, and, and all the Bounty Hunters are standing on that Star Destroyer. And Valence is a really interesting character, he's kind of the headliner of that Bounty Hunters comic. He originated like in the early Marvel Comics run that came out in the 1970s, and then was recently brought into canon through the comics again. Uh, he's he looks kind of like a Star Wars Terminator. He's from Corellia, like Han Solo, and I think they served together in the Empire for a little bit. Um, eventually, once his stories wrap up in canon, I'll I'll do a full skinny. But yeah, he's he's kind of like your good guy bounty hunter. Like he's gonna he has somewhat of a conscience. He works for the, the Rebellion sometimes. He's a good guy to make a series about instead of having like a ongoing series about Boba Fett. So Dengar and Valence, they've teamed up to find Boba. Their ship is attacked by rival bounty hunters, Forlom and Zuckus, the two bug-looking guys. One of them's a droid, one of them isn't. You also see them in Empire Strikes Back, standing on the bridge. Um, this whole time, Dengar and Valence are flying like a giant alien saucer, like, it looks like a, a UFO. It's the same kind of ship that Hondo Onaka flies in the Clone Wars. Hello, oh, oh, no, we're not going to try a Hondo impression. Not without any practice. This effort. Oh, there, there it was. This effort is no longer profitable. That was not bad. So, at Forlom and Zuckus, they were hired by the Unbroken Clan uh, to retrieve Valence and the girl heir to the Unbroken Clan. That's that's a plot line from the Bounty Hunters comic. That it It's woven through the War of the Bounty Hunters. I'm probably not going to focus as heavily on that because you want the skinny on the War of the Bounty Hunters. You want to talk about like your main characters from... Uh, Empire Strikes Back, Boba Fett, your your heroes from Star Wars, Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie, and, uh, and characters that you'll meet along the way. Dengar flips on Valence after learning that there's a bounty on him. He knocks him out. Valence ha- is having some dreams about the time that he saved Han Solo, but Han misunderstood that Valence was saving him, and it ruined their friendship. So Dengar's flying the ship with Valence knocked out. Um, he can't fly he's he's garbage he gives up and he trades uh, info for their lives so he tells Vorlam and zuckus there's a bounty on boba fett let's let's all go
0: and do that darth vader number 12
1: so darth vader is working with ochi of bastoon the character from the rise of skywalker that spoilers for the rise of skywalker killed rey's parents and um, we got to see his speeder and his bones uh in like that quicksand area of Pisana. So, this squad, uh, which, first of all, Ochi is hilarious in these Vader comics. Uh, he might be one of my new, like, favorite comic characters, so. The guy that is just on screen just to kill Rey's parents in The Rise of Skywalker, like, has a history, and he is a funny guy. His whole shtick is he's going to work for whoever whoever's the most powerful in the galaxy. I will serve you. So, right now, he's serving Vader. Vader's powerful. They visit Baku the Hutt. Uh, I've been calling him Beefy the Hutt because he is swole. Look up a picture of this guy. If I create like a little logo for my War of the Bounty Hunters episode, there will definitely be this beefy hut on the on the front. So Vader demands that Beefy the Hut uh, recover Solo for him. Like I heard that he's going to Java. Figure this out, Beefy. Like you're a hut. Figure it out. You've got connections. Doctor Afra number ten. Doctor Afra, who is space Indiana Jones. That's how I've always heard her described. She's a comics original character in canon that just came out in, like, 2015. She appeared in Darth Vader's original 2015 run and quickly became, like, a more popular character than Vader. Like, Vader's series ended after, like, a year or two, and then she got her own series. Like, people really like her. She's an archaeologist, just like Indiana Jones. Uh, A big difference here is that Indiana Jones takes stuff to put in a museum. She likes to use these artifacts, and she likes to sell them to the highest bidder and make a lot of profit. She's Indiana Jones with even less of a moral compass, I guess you could say. There's some shady stuff about Indiana Jones, but like you don't know when to trust her and when not to. Like She has her motivation, she has her friends that she trusts, but she stabs them in the back sometimes. She could work for the Empire, she could work for the Rebellion, she's a wild card, and that's why it's really fun to read her comics. So Afra and her ex-girlfriend, Sana Staros, they uh, are hired by the Tag family, so there was a general Tag in one of the... Uh, original trilogy movies, I think Empire, Um, but he's part of this whole family that is really big in the original Marvel comics from the 70s, I'm not super familiar with that, but they are also back, just like Valence in the current canon uh, comics, so we're slowly learning more and more about them, but right now this tag family is hiring them to find a runaway tag cousin, Drake, who was invited to this mysterious event, the tag family, the, the matriarch of the family wants to know more about it and there's also this syndicate that's after this guy as well the 6th kin syndicate who who I might touch on throughout this it's more of an afro specific storyline but it kind of ties into everything so we'll see how how much I bring that up out of all the comic series that tie into the war of the bounty hunters i feel like the afra tie-ins aren't as strong like all of her characters are there but I don't think what they're doing is as important to the War of the Bounty hunter story. They're delightful comics, though. They're really fun, and you should read them. So we're back to the main line story here in this War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries. We're following the goons uh, that deliver Han's body to a cloaked figure. These goons tell the boss, Hey, Boba will be coming for him. You better be worried about this. Boss is not worried. You'll learn who the boss is soon, but I'm going to pull you along just like the comic did. We then cut to Boba. Um, Boba's just getting a pit stop. Uh, I guess he just lost Han, so he's kind of fueling up. Uh, he gets back to his ship, and it's booby-trapped. Like, part of his ramp explodes. Zuckus and Forlom are there. Zuckus and Forlom, having gotten the news from Dengar that Boba Fett has Han Solo, they're, they're after him, and they're like, Hey, Boba, like give us Han Solo. We want we want that money. Boba beats them down. Zuckus offers Boba a vision into the future, like he's hanging on the edge of a platform and saying, Save me, I'll offer you a vision of your future. And he starts to say it. It's like he'll be drowning in a sea of red, like the Sarlacc Pit, so it is an accurate vision. But before he can finish, Boba kicks him kicks him off the landing platform, not interested. So this, if you've heard my comics episodes about, book, about Boba Fett and how they tie into the Book of Boba Fett, um, this is similar to what he does in Enemy of the Empire. There's like a severed head that he keeps in a chest that he's delivering to Darth Vader and the Emperor, and this head like offers him a glimpse into his future, and he's like, no, I don't care, I'm, I'm in charge of my own future. So this is consistent with his character. So Zuckus was kicked off uh, the landing platform, falling like, I am, I'm imagining Attack of the Clones when Anakin is, like, diving through traffic, trying to land on Sam speeder, and then Boba decapitates 4LOM. Um, I'm saying 4LOM and 4LOM, I'm not sure the right way to say it. I think technically it's 4LOM, because you always read droid names, like, R2D2C3PO. You don't like try to make words out of LOM. You don't call that LOM, but I'm going to say for LOM and for LOM. So Boba decapitates him. He's a droid, so it's okay. Uh, He hacks for LOM and learns that Jabba put an open contract out on Boba Fett on himself. So Boba's pissed. He's like, What, Jabba, what are you doing? So he goes to Jabba's palace to speak with Jabba, but only finds Bib there. Jabba had received an invitation to a party. Just like many others across the galaxy, so he's stuck with Bib. We then flash to the Hut Council. They're like on their ships on the way to this this party. The Huts talk about rumors. Could the party who sent this invitation really be who they claim to be? Marlo the Huts thinks that it's still the High Republic timeline. They're trying to talk to Marlowe. He's like a thousand years old and he's like, Oh Chancellor so, if you heard my Chancellor's Day episode. Oh Chancellor so I like her, but I don't trust her her cats. I guess a little joke about old age in this comic book. A little weird. Uh, Java says this organization was headed by a formidable foe who must be dead by now. So if the organization is under new leadership, the new leader must have killed him, making them even more formidable. Sounds like Mandalorians or Sith succession. Like you got to kill one to become the new boss, like the rule of two, but I found this scene, like, super annoying, and the way I just said it to you was probably annoying as well, because I didn't say the name of the organization, I didn't say the name of the leader, this is because they wanted their big reveal at the end of this issue, so it's coming, but, yeah, it's really, really annoying. So we flip back to Jabba's palace, and this is a really interesting connection to the book of Boba Fett. So it's Bib and Boba, Bib's playing games, uh, saying, oh, uh, yeah, Jabba put a bounty on you, but it's not my fault, (laughs) Boba pulls a blaster uh bib bibs calm it says like if you kill me you'll surely die because he's got all these goons behind him Gamorian guards other bounty hunters just guys with guns boba says most of you would die taking me down are you willing to die for him he points to bib and everyone puts their guns down no one no one has respect for bib uh, which is maybe part of why boba's like yeah i can i can demand respect jabba ruled with fear bib barely ruled at all i can i can rule with respect Jabba ruled with Fia. Now that Boba can do whatever he wants, he demands Bib to be shown Jabba's invitation. And they watch it together. It's, they have a little viewing party at Jabba's palace. It's really cute. Um, probably snuggled up under a blanket. The invitation is from the same cloaked figure who has Han uh, that we saw at the beginning of this issue. And it's revealed that they're the head of Crimson Dawn. So that's our first big reveal. Crimson Dawn is the crime syndicate from Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, where you have... I guess you learn Darth Maul's at the head of it. Then you got Dryden Voss, and then you have Kira, and then other goons, and they're they're kind of the the bad guys. They're hiring Han and Tobias Beckett for a little bit. Uh, Kira goes along on that mission, and they're going to get some coaxium. Hijinks ensue. That's the movie. Boba tells Bib to repair his ship, and he's off to kill the head of Crimson Dawn. I know who to kill now, and he's going to bring Han back to Jabba. So all the time I'm getting this Bib and Boba content I'm still trying to figure out like why Bib is the bloated pig who double crossed me or whatever he says in the book of Boba Fett. Like I'm trying to find like how does he double cross him? So maybe there's something about Boba's ship that Bib doesn't repair right to try to get back at him. It's possible. Maybe that story hasn't been told yet because I guess spoilers. I've already read all these comics. I don't think there's a clear example of how Bib double crossed Boba. We then flash to Crimson Dawn. They're landing their ship on Jakara. That's going to be the planet that we're going to visit a lot throughout this series. The boss explains the value of Han Solo to the goons. Uh, Han Solo knows very powerful people. People who can put Crimson Dawn on the map. The boss drops her hood. Lady Kira. So, that's the big reveal. The main... I wouldn't even call her an antagonist, like the big kind of co-star of this series. It's Kira from Solo, Amelia Clark's character. Um, really exciting, glad to see her back. Hopefully we'll get to see her in live action.
0: Bounty Hunters number 13. So
1: we flash back to the Bounty hunter series. Chewie and C-3PO run into Valence and Dengar, our Bounty Hunter characters, on, I think, Nar Shadda, the same planet that uh, Boba did his gladiator fights in. They fight, I guess... Chewie and Valence and Dengar fight. I don't think C-3PO was throwing hands, but you never know. Um, Valence tells Chewie that he's trying to save Han. Han! That was my Lando getting choked impression. Han! Han! (coughs) That's better. So Chewie stops and then tells Valence to stay out of his way, or he'll beat him with his robo-arm. Valence is a Terminator, he has a robotic arm, so Chewie's saying, like, I know ripping your arm off wouldn't kill you, but I'll beat you with it. So Chewie and C-3PO leave. Since this is the Bounty Hunter comic, we get a little bit more with Valence. Valence is interrogating Jabba's arm smuggler, who tells him Crimson Dawn is back uh, just before a purple-clad ninja decapitates him. So, not not Valence, the the smuggler that they're interrogating. Like, they're trying to find Boba, they're trying to find Han. But this ninja swoops in and stops it. So, this ninja, we'll learn later, I don't mind spoiling the the name of this character. She's called Deathstick. Like, you want to buy some death sticks from Attack of the Clones. Um, and yeah, she's a Dathomirian sister, just like Asajj Ventress. She's a really cool ninja character that is, um, I guess it doesn't say here, but she's she's a agent for Crimson Dawn. And there's a whole Crimson Dawn-focused series planned that's happening right now that I haven't read, but I think she's a big part of that as well, so I'm really excited.
0: Star Wars number 14. Leia has a force vision of Han...
1: Thawing, and she's like, "Oh, this is this is our chance. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta save him." Uh, and then she's talking about her message that she received at the last, at, at the end of the last issue with Luke and Chewie and the droids. This message comes from Rebel spy Amilyn Holdo, so uh, Vice Admiral Holdo from the Last Jedi. Uh, there's uh, the Leia Princess of Alderaan book. It really explains their friendship. They've been friends since they were teenagers, so uh, it really makes that that scene mean a lot more when they're. Uh, saying goodbye to each other in The Last Jedi. Holdo in this comic says, Crimson Dawn has Han Solo, and they're going to auction him off. Like, that's her big news. Chewie freaks out at the mention of, I guess, Han getting auctioned off, but also because of Crimson Dawn. He he, he recommends, when he, when he, when he uh, stops freaking out, he recommends looping in Lando, even though at this point, we're right after episode 5, Chewie does not trust Lando at all. We get some good stuff with Leia. She admits to Luke that she's been feeling hopeless lately. I'll bring Han back, and, and everything will be all right. I know it. So it's it's really sad. Uh, Lando and Lobot get looped in, so Lobot's around. Uh, if he's the bald guy with, like, the computer on the back of his head from Empire Strikes Back. He has gotten a lot of development in the comics, and unfortunately, I haven't read all of it, so... Some of this went over my head, but I'm really interested to talk more about Lobot. So, maybe a Lobot skinny, uh down the line Lando wants to help Han uh, but also plans to use this op- auction as an opportunity to pay his debts um, he owes Java some money or something he's always on the phone with Bib late at night so we should not be trusting Lando he's talking to Bib Fortuna on the phone if if Bib says boba how would he say Lando like I'm imagining Bib picking up the phone
0: Lando.
1: Luke then leaves at this point to go run patrols with Wedge. I think that's, like, the Star Wars mainline uh, comic plot happening that we don't really care about for the War of the Bounty Hunters. Leia, Chewie, and Lando head to Jakara to save Han at this auction. Leia wants to try to win the auction. Lando advises against crossing all of the crime syndicates at once. That's probably a bad idea. Uh, Lando shoves a droid out of the Falcon's airlock when they get there, and I think that's the the Bib and Jabba thing, like... This droid, that's Jabba's payment for something. Again, it has something to do with Lobot, too. I don't, I'm not up to speed on that. Before they land, Chewie gets in a fender bender with Black Sun, uh, another one of the syndicates, the, the big green guys that wear, like, purple robes, and then they crash land on Jakara. Darth Vader number 13. So Baku, or sorry, Beefy the Hutt uh, is leading Vader and Ochi to the location of a bounty hunter that was tracking Boba, so that's how he's able to help. He says, I've got hunters in the field already, let's go check in with them. They arrive on the scene, and they're ambushed by Ochi of Bestoon's old gang. Uh, He had a gang called the Droid Crush, and they're now under the leadership of IG-88. So this is another bounty hunter from The Empire Strikes Back, the big droid guy. You might remember IG-11 more recently. From the Mandalorian. So IG-88 is now in the sandbox, if we're considering this, playing with a bunch of action figures. IG-88 hacks Vader's suit and nearly makes Vader cut off his own head with his lightsaber. It's like a why are you hitting yourself, why are you hitting yourself kind of thing. Like he he's controlling Vader's suit because he has like the codes to the armor or something. Beefy the Hutt orders an orbital strike to kill the droids, but Vader later questions like why did he wait so long? Was he waiting to see if IG-88 killed Vader? Like Vader does not trust uh, Baku. Vader then looks through the droid base and learns that Crimson Dawn supplied IG-88 with the codes to hack his suit. So, Then we cut to IG-88, who somehow repaired himself. I think Vader had chopped him down, but IG-88 is reporting back to Crimson Dawn, or I guess we don't know it's Crimson Dawn at this point, but it's like a, a, a mysterious-looking cult in the middle of nowhere. And he says, I quit. Like, I don't want to go up against Vader. Um, It's revealed that Sly Moore is, like, his Crimson Dawn handler. Sly Moore is, this is a deep cut. This is from the prequels, at least Revenge of the Sith, in the opera house scene when the tragedy of death plagues the ways. When when Anakin is coming into the opera house scene and he goes to sit by Palpatine and Palpatine tells his buddies, leave us. Uh, Sly Moore is one of those buddies. She's like a bald-headed, Umbaran is her species. So they go to the planet Umbara on in the Clone Wars. Sometimes there's a really good arc between Captain Rex and Ponkrell, a Besalisk Jedi like Dexter Jetster again. Um, Captain Rex, that was that was bad. Obi Wan, well, what do you know? But yeah. She's an Umbaran, she's also called the Umbaran sometimes, so she's not actually called Sly Moore, maybe, I I haven't heard Sly mentioned in this comic comic now that I mention it, so she's always like the Umbaran or Administrator Moore, because she works for the Empire, if you couldn't tell by her being associated with Palpatine.
0: Darth Vader number 14!
1: Yeah, that's right, two back-to-back Darth Vader issues, Uh, they weren't released in this order, but it, it felt better to do it in this way for me. Uh, Vader shows up, kills IG 88 again, and then chops off Moore's hand. Moore convinces Vader to let her secure Skywalker f- at the auction for him, because otherwise the Emperor would get suspicious that Vader is going after a Force sensitive boy, and the Emperor will think that Vader is going to overthrow him. And Vader agrees to this. Darth Vader number 15! Yeah, that's right. Three Darth Vader comics in a row, because I said Afro doesn't tie in a lot. I think this Vader series doesn't tie in a lot, at least at the beginning. 15, Ochi learns that Baku the Hut, Beefy the Hut, is working for Crimson Dawn. So they also try to recruit Ochi, and Ochi's like, no, Crimson Dawn, never heard of him. I work for Vader. Vader's the most powerful. I'll continue working for Vader. Scram.
0: Dr. Afra number 11. Meanwhile,
1: Dr. Afra and Sana Staros, her ex-girlfriend, they find the tag runaway aboard a derelict ship with spooky little buggers that are like crawling all over the place, coming out of bodies and nasty. So remember they're hunting a bounty, this Drake kid. Another bounty hunter is also there, Durge. So Durge is, this is the character from the original Clone Wars, like the 2D micro series that they would put on in like minute segments on Cartoon Network, like in between shows. He's like made of goo or something and he's like stuck inside like a a robot suit so that he can walk around, but like he's a monster and he's a bounty hunter and he fights with Obi-Wan a lot in the the micro series. So Dirge is now canon. He's appearing in the Dr. Aphra comics. Uh, Aphra uses him as bait and airlocks him. They were kind of working as a team though, so she really stabbed him in the back. I, I don't think it ever reveals who Dirge was working for because they find the dead body of the kid or the Drew the, uh, tag cousin that they're looking for and he's already dead and then Dirge shows up. So unless Dirge is lying, like, I think there was somebody else. Uh, maybe the the sixth kin that is involved in the Afra storyline that killed the guy again not super important. Afra searches the guy's body, finds a Crimson Dawn invitation, and brings it back to the Tag family. Uh, like yeah, Crimson Dawn. Have you ever heard of these people? Uh, and then the taggy the Tags are like, okay, we got to send Afra to the auction in Drake's place. Let's let's figure out what's going on.
0: War of the Bounty Hunters. Boosh. Number one, I suppose. Uh, this
1: is another, like, one shot from the perspective of Boosh, who's not one of the bounty hunters that you see in The Empire Strikes Back, but is actually the bounty hunter that Leia is pretending to be when they're breaking Han out of Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. So, Boosh is an Oobies, and he has, like, this gang with him that are all Oobies that are, that were exiled from the planet Uba Uba. um... So they're all exiles and they want to get back. So they're working as bounty hunters to make enough money to, I guess, one day buy themselves back into Ubezian society. Sounds like they committed some crimes, and any crimes could not be tolerated on on Uba. So Crimson Dawn hires Boosh and the gang to kill the whole Tag family. Like, the Crimson Dawn is not messing around. They're like, this Tag family, they're up to no good. I still don't know what they're up to, but they're up to no good. They're unhonorable, they exploit their workers. That's what Crimson Dawn says to convince Boosh to go after them, because Bush is a very honorable guy. So the UBs infiltrate uh, Tag Co., and they capture the board. The matriarch, Lady Domina, who has been working with Afra in the Afra series, offers them passage home uh, in exchange for giving up the name of their employer. So that's what matters most to the UBs. They're only working as bounty hunters so that they can get back home. So if the Tags can get them back home, fine. They say Crimson Dawn hired us. So now the Crimson Dawn has made a big enemy in the Tag family. I don't know how big, because I don't know much about them, but a big enemy. Bounty
0: Hunters number 14.
1: So, we're back with Dengar and Valence. They flee from the mystery ninja, Death Stick, uh, to Dengar's mechanic. Apparently, Dengar is also from Corellia, and he used to be a street racer, just like Han Solo, so... He has his uh, friendly mechanic that they're going to visit. Dengar sneaks away and calls Bib. So Bib is getting a lot of phone calls. Let's see how he would uh, pick up the phone when Dengar calls.
0: Dengar! Uh,
1: and Dengar asks to speak with his fiancée, Manaru. Um, if you've read any of the Legends Dengar content, uh, him and Manaru are very much in love, and uh, you don't kidnap Manaru, and that's what Bib did. So, Bib is holding her prisoner until Dengar captures Boba. Dengar's pissed about this. Dengar's mechanic says to Dengar that Valence's human heart is going to die soon. Like, she had done a scan. Dengar doesn't care. He doesn't tell Valence about this. Like, as long as Valence lives for, like, the next day, that's long enough to get Boba. Like, that's fine. Dengar's not a nice guy. He's willing to stab people in the back. But, like, he has a heart. Like, he he, he loves his fiance, Manoru. The mechanic tells Dengar of the Siege of Mandalore and Crimson Dawn's rise to power under Dryden Voss, post-Shadow Collective, which we see in the Clone Wars. Um, and as she's telling the story, the purple ninja, Destic, bombs the mechanic's garage, kills the mechanic, storms in with Zam Wessel-type droids, like the ones that delivered those centipedes to kill Padme and attack the clones. It's pretty cool. They're definitely doing a little play on Zam Wessel with her being, like, purple-clad uh, female bounty hunter. Like, yeah, this is... This is Zamwesel, except it's not. It's like a mix between Zamwesel and Asajj Ventress, which is very cool. Valence saves Dengar's life, so Dengar's like, all right, I'll offer you up a secret. And then he never actually tells the secret, or not in this comic. Destic has them in her sights, but Kira contacts her and says not to kill them yet. So she's got plans for Valence and
0: Dengar. Dr. Aphra number 12.
1: So, Dr. Afra is the first of our main characters to make it to the auction. There's just like a kind of like Dryden Voss's pleasure yacht that they visited in Solo. They have like this big yacht called the Vermilion that's stationed on Jakara, and that's where this auction is going to take place. Uh, Afra takes note of everyone that's already there. So, the Hutts, Black Sun, the Unbroken Clan, or sort of remember the villains of the Bounty Hunter series, uh, also the Empire and the Pikes. All of whom want to kill her? So she's she's really nervous. She bugs a member of Black Sun, like she's there to find out information. So she's like, "Okay, that lady looks like she has information. So I'm gonna bug her." I mean, Aphra does do a lot of bugging just in general, just being annoying. But uh, she like uses technology to pr- plant a listening device on her. I should say.
0: War of the Bounty Hunters number two. This opens up with some huts talking. Uh, The Huts are offended that they're viewed on the same level as the other syndicates. Uh, Baku wants to leave. Jabba says he wants to know if Han was stolen from Boba. Because if he was,
1: he's going to enjoy those fireworks. Bosk shows up looking to capture Boba for Jabba. Boba blows off his legs but spares him to send a message to the other hunters. He ties him up outside of this... Uh, flagship of Crimson Dawns to say, like, if any other bounty hunters are coming here to steal, I'm like, this is what I did to, like, one of the best. This is what I did to Bosk. This is kind of a callback to the Age of Republic comic centered around Django Fett, and Django's, like, helping little Boba work on his reputation, and some other, like, low-level bounty hunters try to stab the Fets in the back, and Boba, like, kills them and leaves one alive. Because he wants him to go run to the rest of the bounty hunters and say, you don't mess with Boba Fett. Also, since Bosk has no legs, uh, he's going to have to grow little baby legs just like Deadpool in Deadpool 2. So, look forward to that. You can't leave me out here, Boba. I'm cold-blooded. I won't survive. And then Boba Fett says, funny, so am I. Because, as as we all know, Boba Fett is a
0: cold-blooded killer who worked for the Empire.
1: Now we visit the auction. Boba goes undercover in a cloak, uh, and he's asking Afra to create a diversion. Uh, create a diversion on my signal, and he hands her like a something that he can signal her with, or he'll announce who she is to everyone in there. She says, "Okay, clone." She recognizes his voice from hollow recordings of the battle of Coruscant, uh, the opening battle in Revenge of the Sith when Grievous kidnaps Palpatine. Kira takes center stage and welcomes everyone, brags that she did what no one else could. She captured Han Solo. Kira begins the bidding. Some of the smaller syndicates bid early. Sly Moore is there, and she's using the force. I guess she has the force. She's using the force to stop, like, the weak-minded people from bidding. But there are huts there, and huts cannot be mind-tricked. So the bidding for Han Solo just ends up going between different huts. Jabba's bidding, but then Baku, Beefy the Hut is bidding against him Jabba's not happy with this because it goes all the way up to like a million credits when maybe if Baku hadn't bid against him it would have been like 200,000 but then before Kira can give Han over to Jabba Vader shows up and demands Solo Han Solo belongs to me Um, even though Jabba won so that's our big cliffhanger for uh issue number two Star Wars, number 15. Luke is flying with Starlight Squadron with Wedge, uh, and he's haunted by visions of Vader hunting down Han. So he's like, okay, I gotta I gotta head back to uh, meet up with Leia and Lando and Chewie.
0: Bounty Hunters, number 15. Dengar and Valence take a passenger
1: ship to Canto Bite, the casino planet from The Last Jedi. Uh, passenger ships, I guess we've just seen recently in the Book of Boba Fett. That's how The Mandalorian gets to Tatooine. And also, how the Pike Syndicate got to Tatooine as well. Dengar now tells Valence all about Monaru and Bib's situation, how Bib has Monaru kidnapped. Um, Valence is feeling it because he's a good guy and he, he would probably help Dengar. Um, they then go to the Sixth Kin, which is that crime boss that I told you about, that other clan syndicate that's kind of low level, but they operate out of Cantobite. Valence and Dengar are looking for leads on where Boba Fett is, so they they barter with the Six King guy, get a location in exchange for stirring up trouble for Crimson Dawn, because Six King has a history with Crimson Dawn, they don't like him, so they're going to go stir up trouble at the auction. On their way out, Deathstick ambushes them again, she kicks Valence off a landing platform, uh, he's indestructible though, I think he crashes through a window, he'll be fine. Dengar is about to die, but then he gives up some sort of info that spares his life, uh, but he doesn't tell Valence what it is, so we don't we don't know what it is yet.
0: War of the Bounty Hunters for L.O.M. and Zuckis, number one. This is another one-shot following our little bug boys.
1: Uh, Zuckis is crying on Nar Shaddaa about Forlom's death by Boba. He reminisces about their first hunt for this little droid doctor, uh, a mosquito-looking fella. Uh, The same droid doctor now trades with Jawas on Tatooine, and he gets his hands on Forlom's head. So apparently after Boba was done with him, he just threw it in the sand. Some Jawas got it. So apparently Forlom and Zuckus had killed a mosquito guy, but it was the brother of the actual doctor that is evil and wants to kill them. Uh, So now he wants revenge. Uh, This doctor creates Forlom, a mech suit, so he puts Forlom's head on like a big monster and hacks him and says, you gotta kill Zuckus. So Zuckus and 4LOM fight. Zuckus ends up freeing 4LOM from the control of the Doctor, but 4LOM runs away, and this makes Zuckus sad. So he feels like he drove his friend away.
0: Bounty Hunter 16. A
1: bounty hunter called Tonga. This is a character from the Bounty Hunters comic. Uh, She hires Tasu Leech of Kanja Club. So this is the exact guy that was in The Force Awakens. And tell that to Kanja Club. Thing that I've said three times this episode. Like, the actual guy that says, like, hi to Solo. And, and Solo goes, Tasu Leech, good to see you. That that guy. Uh, he's been hired by a bounty hunter, and they travel to a giant floating space station. The space station is full of ammonia. They go in there, and they're in search of the greatest findsman in the galaxy. And it's Zuckus. He is, like, he looks like he has a beer gut. He's got his shirt off, and he's just, like, sitting there crying about 4LOM. He misses being a team. So, but he joins them. Uh, Apparently he was naked because that's like the only time that he doesn't have to wear like breathing apparatuses. Like he breathes ammonia. So every time he goes out into the world, he has to wear breathing tubes.
0: War of the Bounty Hunters number three.
1: Everyone watches as Vader and Jabba argue over Han. Boba's watching and making small talk with Leia, Lando, and Chewie. They're like watching from the same spot and they're not killing each other yet. It's kind of funny. Uh, Leia orders Chewie to take Boba down quietly, Uh, but Boba wants a distraction because Aphra's failed him, apparently. Aphra's like, she's scared of Vader because she's stabbed him in the back and Vader does not uh, let people who stabbed him in the back uh, live. So Aphra's not going to give him a distraction, he's going to create his own. He starts trash talking with Chewie, Uh, he shows off his Wookiee braids, he's got like these braids hanging from his armor and apparently they're Wookiee hair, he says... Uh, aunties and uncles maybe and yeah that pisses Chewie off Lando tells uh, Chewie in the best line of this entire comic book beat his ass Chewbacca Boba sets Chewie on fire Lando puts it out with his cape so it was a very cute moment uh, because they didn't trust each other and now Lando's given given up his cape, cape for Chewie and Chewie knows how much he loves his capes Boba says don't get in my way I'm just trying to make a living a simple man making his way through the galaxy. Lando offers to Boba to just pay Jabba's price for Han, but Boba's stubborn and says, I have a bounty. I have a client. It is that simple. He cares about his reputation. He wants to get more work. He's not going to just get paid off and screw over Jabba. Vader threatens to cut the huts out of the Empire, so Jabba just backs right down. He's like, okay, you can have Solo. Like That's more important, um, having a deal with the Empire. So then Kira's like, great. Okay, Darth Vader paid me a million credits, and he refuses to pay, which I don't know why he refuses to pay. He's, I think it's because he doesn't want the Emperor to know that he's here. I don't know. They're the Empire. They have tons of money. Whatever. Plot. Uh, Vader draws his lightsaber to intimidate her, and she says, Not everyone is afraid of you. I'm not scared of you. And they have a duel. Uh, Kira has little daggers, kind of like what Dryden Voss had in Solo. Uh, Vader compliments her training, says it's familiar. Um, it's Maul that trained her, I bet. Uh, he force chokes since she's countering the saber lashes. Uh, but then, So she's getting force choked, but then she presses a button on her daggers, and like little thermal detonators drop out and explode, creating some distance between them, stopping his concentration. Vader says, a feeble attempt. And uh, she says, nothing about me is feeble. So, good good one-liners from Kira. We don't have a ton of those because she was only in the one movie. Boba's got Vader in his sights, but he guesses that Vader would just deflect it like he did to Han on Cloud City, so he doesn't do it. Vader,
0: Vader, Vader
1: has uh, Kira beat, but then he senses something, and he looks up, and he senses Skywalker. Kira flees, uh, takes her moment, and gets out of there. The Empire patches Vader in with Luke. Uh, so Luke is in contact with Vader in his X-Wing, flying above the planet. Vader threatens to chop Solo in half if Luke doesn't turn himself in.
0: Star Wars number 16. Luke is
1: terrified of having to face Vader again. He's having nightmares as he battles TIE fighters above Jakara, above the auction. Leia asks him, she patches in like the comms and says, like, Can you face Vader as a distraction so we can go get Han? And Luke tells her no. I'm not ready. Dr. Aphra number 13. So Aphra's on the auction floor getting stared down by Vader. And But then she realizes that that's not happening anymore. She was like frozen in place for like minutes. Just terrified of what was going to happen. But Vader's distracted with Kira, with Luke. She can she can go now. Um, so nothing happened to her. Uh, she's terrified because she left Vader for dead on Tython. That's the planet from... Mandalorian season two where Boba Fett was reintroduced the little seeing stone that Grogu sat on she had brought Vader to Tython because she said that's where the rebel base was and then she took him to like a circle of kyberite like pure kyberite and it just like overwhelmed his senses and then she hacked his suit or something so that he couldn't move and then told the empire that he was on a different planet so she really screwed him over big time uh, and that was really so that she could give the rebels like a couple more weeks to like get situated on Hoth. Vader didn't know that they were on Hoth yet, but she knew it was just a matter of time. So Afra, her allegiances in this case, she's working with the good guys. Uh, the good guys, bad guys. Uh, she has a a crush on someone in the uh, Rebel Alliance. So Afra and Sana they knock out the bugged Black Sun member that they that they had, and then they steal her necklace when she's knocked out. They find out she's a Crimson Dawn spy who had infiltrated Black Sun. Like the necklace had encoded data about Crimson Dawn that would be valuable to the Tag family. So they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're keeping that. Dr. Afra number 14! So Afra and Sana, they get locked up by Crimson Dawn for theft, and they're reunited with some of their friends from that comic series, the Sixth Kin Assassins. Uh, these two assassins were hired to take out some guy at the auction, Cray, who is also like their father figure? It's a little confusing to me. Um, Destic had stopped them and indicated, like, indicating that this guy is a Crimson Dawn agent, he's protected. So, the Dawn has spies everywhere. So, all these guys are in prison, Afro and these assassins. They all break out. Afro, like, hijacks a big robot and kills that Crimson Dawn spy. Um, but these kids are sad about it because he was also their father figure. Again, I don't know what's happening. Um, they go back to the Crimson Dawn vaults to find that necklace. They find Kira putting it back, like, in, in a secure, secure place. So it's very, very valuable to the highest member of Crimson Dawn. And then Deathstick drops from the ceiling to fight them again.
0: Dr. Aphra number 15.
1: So I just did three Dr. Afras in a row, too. I was just really excited to get to this moment, and it doesn't really impact any of the other stories. Um, because Dr. Afra is an archaeologist, most of her stories have, like, a cool artifact. This one, in that Crimson Dawn Vault, she finds a Thought Dowser. The Thought Dowser is an artifact of like dark side force energy. It was used by the Ascendant, which is a Sith cult according to Aphra. But I find that really interesting because Grand Admiral Thrawn, his like government back in his galaxy is called the Chiss Ascendancy, and there's some forcey stuff going on there too, so I wonder if it's connected. Hopefully in the coming years we'll we'll get more stories. Between Thrawn and our galaxy, tie some things together. She said, this tech is so dark, even the Sith avoided it. So it was dark side tech, but not necessarily Sith. Like, more hardcore than the Sith, which is insane. So Aphra turns it on, naturally. Uh, and this makes Death Stick stab herself. Like, it's kind of like a voodoo doll thing. Like, Aphra says, wouldn't it be great if Death Stick just stabbed herself? And it happens. It knocks Aphra out. Her arm goes all Infinity Gauntlet, like... In the Avengers movies, when somebody snaps the Infinity Gauntlet with all the stones in it, like, their arm just turns to, like, black.
0: War of the Bounty Hunters, number four! Luke
1: is taunting Vader and lures him away in his X-Wing, so Vader um, hops in his TIE fighter and chases after him. Han's getting loaded into an Imperial shuttle. The Huts are questioning Jabba, like, why aren't we taking him? And Jabba says, in the long view, the relationship with the Empire means more than any prize. So the Huts, it seems like they're always playing the long game. That's like the Hut mantra. When we see them in the Book of Boba Fett, the Twin Huts, they they do like send an assassin after Boba Fett, but like they also kind of leave and say, "Okay, let's see how this all shakes out. We'll be back in season 2." Like they're willing to just let things live because they live like hundreds of years, so they they are more prone to playing the long game. So, Jabba Bounces says that the Huts should watch crimson dawn closely but there's no other business here for them but beefy the hut he stays and rallies the rest of the huts to stand up against the empire it's like yeah I, we're getting han solo i have no clue why beefy the hut or any other hut wants han solo maybe he has history with more than just jabba i think in like the original han solo books he had a lot of run-ins with huts so maybe there's something there then we flip to Boba, so Boba's like about to snipe the the pilot of the Imperial Shuttle, and Dengar and Valence literally stand in Boba's way, like Dengar standing in front of the, the shot. Boba says something to the effect of, I'm sick of you nobodies, they fight. Uh, Dengar gets stranded on a patch of ice, floating out into the center of a lake. Classic Dengar, just getting screwed over. Uh, the Imperial Shuttle takes off, the Falcon follows, Boba and Valence are kind of alone, and they take a seat and talk, which is really interesting. Here you and I sit, simple men caught in the middle. Uh, this is Boba's quote. Valence is angry at Boba for what he did to his mentor, Nakano Lash. Oh, so. See part three of my Boba Fett comics ep- episodes uh, to see what that's all about, but Valence and Boba, they, they still team up. Boba says, I don't work with anyone, but I'm willing to work with you. So it's it's very cute and very heartwarming, and it shows that Boba is willing to work with anyone, just like Fennec and Kersantin and the mods. He's a good guy after all. So Boba and Valence board Slave One. Lobot is in the Millennium Falcon with the heroes. He shuts down the Imperial Shuttle, something to do with his head machine. Again, I need to catch up on the Lobot stuff. Uh, Boba then, after the Imperial Shuttle's disabled, he seismic charges the Falcon and... I think on a lower setting, like, he just leaves them stunned. Because Valence wouldn't. Valence is, he probably said, don't murder them. So then Boba's closing in on Han. Like, this could be over. Uh, but then, Beefy the Hutt surrounds the shuttle with hundreds of Hut ships. So, Beefy's making a move.
0: Darth Vader number 16.
1: So this picks up with Luke and Vader's dogfight. So Luke flees the auction, calling Vader's bluff that he's not going to chop Han in half. Luke's X-Wing gets harpooned by another syndicate up in space, but he's rescued by another ship. And it's like, who's it going to be? You're all free, kid. Go home. No, That's not the line. Uh, it's Darth Vader. Uh, but then Darth Vader shoots Luke down. But it's it, at the moment, like, oh, who's, who just swooped in to save the day? Who is it? Uh, but no. Uh, Sly Moore then contacts Vader, kind of distracting him while Vader's going in for the kill. And then the droid crush kind of swarm Vader's tie like buzz droids. Um, so she's she does not want Vader to get Luke uh, for reasons that we'll get into. Ochi, he's at the auction too. He attacks Slymore when he sees what she's doing. Uh, she claims she's serving the Empire. Uh, it's, they're they're going to have their fight. We'll, we'll see how that ends up. Uh, the droid crush, they land near Luke, and they repair his X-Wing for him. So Slymore is repairing Luke's X-Wing. Like she, she does not want Vader to catch him. Slymore versus Ochi. Sly tells Ochi that Vader fears Luke. He fears that he'll be replaced by Luke. Um, So it's kind of getting at Ochi like, maybe Vader isn't the most powerful being in the universe. Maybe you should serve someone else. Sly wins and tells Ochi to return to his true master. Star Wars number 17! Vader continues chasing Luke. Uh, Luke flies low, lifting ice ice chunks off the ground and like throwing them into Vader, kind of. So Vader crashes. Luke goes in for the kill, but then stops. He tells R2, I know that sometime I'll have to face him. Then we flip to Leia and Lando on the Falcon. Leia's like, why didn't Boba just kill us? Lando says, don't know. Man's got a code. Sort of hard to say what he, why he does what he does. Lando fixes the ship. This is a really cute scene. He starts talking to L3 when he's fixing it. Very sad. Chewie pulls him up from the belly of the Falcon. Chewie runs off to pilot after this. And so the ship is fixed. But Lando takes a moment. He's just sitting sitting there in the Falcon. Says, thank you, to, uh, thank you to the ship. Thank you to L3. It's real cute. Leia finds Lando just sitting alone and comes and thanks him. Um, Lando says, when it comes to someone I care about, I'm as brave as they come. Bet on that. And Leia says, well, stupid, that's what the Rebellion is. (laughs) We're helping people that that we love. Uh, Basically welcoming Lando to the Rebellion officially. He's made his peace with Chewbacca. He's made his peace with Leia. He's all in. War of the Bounty Hunters number five. The final issue. The Hutts harpoon the Imperial Shuttle um, that has Han in it. Vader turns off his comms. He doesn't care about the Huts and Han. Now that Luke's in his sights, he's he doesn't care. He somehow fixed his tie with the Force and went after Luke. I think maybe this was a continuity issue. <laughs> I think in this comic his ship looks completely dent-free when Luke just completely wrecked it like the, the comic before, but whatever. There was a scene at the end of the Luke trucking ice at at the tie that he was lifting it up out of the, the ice so like it's flyable but it, it looks uh very very perfect in in this comic the empire ends up freeing the shuttle from the huts and begins escorting it back to the star destroyer boba requests to board the star destroyer he uses his old access codes from empire strikes back and they're too scared to check with vader because he had turned his com off in a very uh i'm sure a not very nice way an imperial officer contacts the falcon and gives them docking clearance to Aboard the Star Destroyer as well. So, yeah, somebody on that Star Destroyer is looking out for them. So the huts kind of have given up, like the Empire's taking back Han onto the Star Destroyer. Um, Kira then contacts, contacts Baku the Hut and says, or sorry, Beefy the Hut and says she needs more. She needs a distraction so the rebels can take back Han aboard the Star Destroyer. Kira wants the rebels to end up with Han. It's really interesting. And as we know, Baku is uh, Crimson Dawn, so he's going to take Kira's orders. Baku orders the Huts to attack the Empire. The Empire contacts the the Emperor. They contact uh, Old Shivi Palpatine. Since Vader cannot be reached, Palpatine then finds a way to contact Vader and asks him to end the Hut insurrection um, without crippling, like the whole Hut Armada. So basically, go kill Baku, don't kill Jabba. So Vader is chasing Luke, but he knows that he has to obey Palpatine, especially like Palpatine will know if he doesn't do that job and. So he tells Luke he has too much fear to be a You have too much fear to be a Jedi. And then lets him go. On the Star Destroyer, Valence and Boba are there. Um, Valence saves Boba from a K2 droid, so like K2SO. Um, it's a very good moment. And like I said, Boba and um, Valence, they're, they're really getting along. Uh, Boba then sticks Valence with a thermal detonator and blows him up because he no longer needs him. So Boba Fett is a cold blooded killer that worked with the Empire. Um, This is not the guy that came out of the Sarlacc pit. Um, There has been a career arc here, like a a character arc, Um, and I think since this is something that came out the year that the Book of Boba Fett premiered in 2021, like, they knew what they were doing. Like, let's make him be really, really bad so that we can make him real, real good. He tells Valence, because Valence, like, you you can blow up Valence a a million times. He's always going to survive because he's a Terminator, but he tells Tells him, if you want another shot at Solo, try Jabba the Hutt's palace on Tatooine. That's where he'll be. Or maybe, try another line of work. Don't work for Skug Holes, Valence. Leia, Lando, and Chewie blast their way to Han. They get all prepped to move him. They have him for like a minute maybe, and then Boba Fett's there. Get away from my property. Then a giant explosion rips Han out into the atmosphere. So Han is tumbling towards the surface of Jakara. We know that surface is like icy and it's like arctic, like... Dengar's out floating on a block of ice somewhere. Uh, I wasn't really clear on what explosion caused this. There were a couple explosions as we get into like the other issues. Like how this... Exp- it's probably like Baku the Hutt attacking the ship. It's probably that simple. Boba jumps out the uh, the hole in the wall and chases after Han in his jetpack. He ends up wrapping his whipcord around him and catches him just before Han is lost in the icy lake. Like Han dips under the water, but he's able to pull him up and jetpack out of there.
0: So yay, Boba Fett wins. Darth Vader number seventeen.
1: Vader thinks to himself that Palpatine has shown his hand by kind of distracting him from Luke. Like Pal- Palpatine wants Luke to replace him, so Vader must turn him first. So this is really setting up Vader's arc in Return of the Jedi. Vader storms Baku's ship. Says that Baku betrayed him and he hesitated to rescue him earlier when they were fighting the the droid crush on that planet uh, with with IG eighty eight. Baku says, oh, I ash- oh, I assure you, I chose much earlier than that when I joined Crimson Dawn. And Vader's surprised, which is, he, it's, it's probably hard to surprise Vader. That guy seems like he knows it all. Baku, beefy, uh, says that in a galaxy of emperors and wizards, lowly souls like him need to stand together, and that's, that's what he thinks of Crimson Dawn. It's a bunch of people without superpowers just kind of banding together and becoming a superpower that way. So, Vader cuts down Baku. Um, But Baku has a contingency plan, destroys his ship in the process. Vader pulls a Groot from the MCU and like, Guardians of the Galaxy and forms, like, a ball of metal around him with the Force um, to protect him from the fall to the planet. Bounty Hunters number 17. Uh, Tonga, Zuckus, Tasu Leech, um, all these bounty hunters, like uh, B-list, C-list bounty hunters that are following all of this, uh, through the bounty hunters comic, uh, find Bosk, so Boba had tied him up outside of the, the auction place, uh, they rescue him, so he's got no legs, but they get him a lot of, uh, meat, and he's eating, like, a bunch of chicken bones, um, trying to, I guess that's how he, he grows his limbs back, just a lot of food, I guess it takes a lot of energy, and then this group goes to find Valence, um, Valence is limping off the Star Destroyer, somehow surviving the thermal detonator to the chest. Uh, he tries to jump into Tonga's ship. Uh, they're reaching, like, Zuckus and Zuckus is holding his hand out the window and Valence jumps and he grab, they grab hands, uh, but then all Zuckus winds up with is Valence's arm. Vader had, uh, from the Star Destroyer, ripped Valence back in.
0: War of the Bounty Hunters, IG-88, number one. So...
1: In this IG-88 story, Deva Lampop, the uh, punk rocker, 200-year-old bounty hunter that works for Jabba, she hires a droid doctor to reassemble IG-88 after his demise at the hand of Vader. Uh, Deva's directive was to find Boba Fett and kill everyone who isn't necessary. So IG-88 wakes up after uh, his procedure, he kills his doctor, and calls Deva Deva informs him he now works for Crimson Dawn, and he's part of Kira's contingency plan to reacquire Solo after the auction. So, it's not over. This is, where, like, I didn't really set this up, but all these stories now are kind of like the epilogue. Like, the story's complete, but here's, like, here's what happens after. So IG-88 is after Boba. Boba lands on Tatooine on the outskirts. He doesn't land right next to Jabba's palace. He kind of, he doesn't really want to walk Solo into a trap, so he, he, uh... Lands on the outskirts, flies off. IG 88 then sneaks up onto Slave 1 and finds Solo, uh, but appears that Boba didn't really leave and he returns and says, First I'll deal with you, then the traitor. So I think Boba thinks that someone betrayed him, which I'm guessing someone did, to like how Deva Lumpop got his location. So is this how Bib double crossed him? Did Bib give Deva the location of Boba's ship? Maybe, maybe he just went to Jabba's palace to talk to Bib and already came back, and Bib then called. I don't know. Let's just assume that Bib and Devilum Pop had a conversation, just so I can say, Deva. Ig eighty eight says, as you can see, the rumors of my destruction have been greatly exaggerated, which is a joke because that's what Boba Fett says in Dark Empire when he first shows up and talks to Han, like. The rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. After he falls in the Sarlacc pit. Good stuff. IG-88 shoots Boba to the ground and returns a solo. Gets his eyes on the prize, but then Boba shoots a pipe over IG's head and it freezes him. So Boba had it in- installed in case Han thawed out again. But uh, between IG-88 and Cad Bane, uh, when you shoot Boba to the ground, maybe finish him off. He wears a lot of armor. He's not dead. Like, let's uh, learn our lessons here. So Boba Kip kicks IG off the ship and leaves him alive, though. When IG-88 thaws out, he's his chip that's containing Devil Pop's orders gets fried, so he's free. And his, his quote is, it's a really fun comic. I, I didn't really set this up, but it is a really fun comic, and it's all about like the meaning of life. It's, it's good stuff. I will improve my programming. Unlike those that breathe, I am but a machine. And for one such as I, time means nothing. So he's going to improve himself, and he is not limited by time. Like, any droid is not limited by time. It is so exciting. It's so exciting that Star Wars has all these, like, really old characters, like Yoda species, like Huts, Mos Kanata, Devil on Pop, um, and droids that can live forever. Like, we can tell stories with the same characters post-sequels as we can, like, 200 years before, before uh, all of this. It's insane. Anyways... What do you, what do you guys want to see out of IG88 in the future? I'm I'm engaging the audience for the first time in the last hour. I think I've heard Taika Waititi is directing something, and he directed, or he played IG11 in The Mandalorian. I think he directed one of the IG11 centric episodes as well. I hope that his thing is like way in the future, and it's IG88, just like ruling the galaxy or something. It could be fun.
0: War of the Bounty Hunters number five epilogue. Part one! I'm splitting
1: up the end of War of the Bounty Hunters so that all this kind of flows together. Uh, this is Boba delivering Han to Jabba. Finally, like the whole point of this comic series. Uh, Jabba smooth talks Boba, I never doubted you. I, it wasn't personal. Uh, that's a great job of the hut impression. Jabba confirms that the hut council is pretty much dead, which leaves Jabba as the sole authority of the hut clans. Hut clans? Like multiple clans. Interesting. I will promise the Emperor an era of unprecedented stability. Like me, Palpatine takes the long view. It will be fine. And yeah, he is right. Maybe Jabba knows that Palpatine takes the long view and knows that he's alive post-sequels. I guess Jabba isn't, but... I think that's fair to say that both the Hutts and... I guess Yoda species... Anything that lives a long time, whether naturally, like the Hutts or Grogu or Yoda or Palpatine, very unnatural... they take the long view, and that kind of pays off for them. Jabba asks Boba to stick around. Uh, he's probably afraid of Crimson Dawn, so that's probably the reason why Boba Fett is still with Jabba in Return of the Jedi. Jabba's scared, but all Boba says is, Pay me. That's how the comic ends. Like, I'm jumping around a bit, like, in telling the story, but that's how this whole miniseries ends. Pay me.
0: Dr. Afra number 15.
1: Afra and Sana are back on their ship. Afra's recovering from her her uh, infinity snap uh, the Crimson Dawn spies necklace is being decoded when they finish they find a list of all the spies spread across the galaxy Crimson Dawn is everywhere it kind of flashes shows like there's people in the rebellion and the empire and all of the crime syndicates like this is going to be big and it's surprising that we didn't hear their name in Return of the Jedi if they're so big but hopefully we'll get to see uh, the breath of Crimson Dawn's reign in uh the Mando-verse and that era between between the originals and the sequels. Star Wars number 18. So it's a somber trip in the Millennium Falcon. They did not end up with Han. Leia says, hope is for suckers. And gets a big, chewy hug. So, real sad. And then Crimson Dawn just shows up. It's the big flagship. Just pops out of hyperspace right in front of them. They tractor beam the Falcon. And Kira boards them. Says she just wants to talk. Leia says, we have nothing to talk about. Kira says, oh, but we do, Leia. After all, we both love the same man. And Leia gets all worked up. Lando warns Leia that she's dangerous, but Leia agrees to talk with her. Kira tries to be all pleasant. She brings, like, a bottle of wine. Leia shoots the bottle out of her hand. Talk. Kira explains uh, that she wanted Han to end up with the people who loved him. And we know that firsthand. We saw it in, I think, the mainline War the Bounty Hunters. Uh, She wanted Han to end up with the rebels, people who loved him. She tells Leia, like, here's my, not evil plan, here's my nice plan. Here's all the good things that I did for you along the way. I arranged for Holdo to get the news. I distracted Vader so that you could escape. Uh, I burned Baku the Hut, like my biggest asset, one of my biggest assets, to give the Rebels another chance at Han. And she gave them clearance to board a Star Destroyer, probably burning an agent on the Star Destroyer as well. Kira's goals, of course, still come first. That's why she was auctioning him off. Um, but she says, Han... He was better off with you. I manipulate, and you inspire. So, it's a good moment between Kira and Leia. We also get a little bit more of young Han content. Kira tells a story, and on the panel, we get to on the, the panels of the comic, we can see what's happening about young Han. He was there was a boy that was getting beat up. Han stepped up and uh, got beat up defending the kid. This is when he was a child on Corellia. No one else on Corellia ever. Stood up to bullies, at least according to Kira. That's when she knew that he's the good guy. That's the, the like the, the probably the best part about Solo is at the end, like when Kira says, "Yeah, you're the good guy. That's who you. That's who you are. Like, yeah, you think you're you're hot stuff. You think you're uh, a smuggler. You think you're a scum and villainy. Like, no, you're a good guy. You're gonna find your way to the good guy, the good guys. Good, good good guys, bad guys. No, Kira trusts Han to make the right decision because she saw him when he was a kid. He's a good person." Leia still threatens to put her in front of a, a alliance tribunal, but Kira has one more card. She says, "Leia, Han Solo isn't dead. Like Leia, this whole time thought Han was dead. Boba Fett caught him." She says, "Jabba's got him on his wall like a trophy at Doc Ondar's. Dock Ondar is the it's a reference to the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Disneyland thing. Um, he 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 owns like an antique store that you can buy cool stuff at. Kira pledges Crimson Dawn resources to Han's rescue whenever Leia's ready. She says, be seeing you, Leia. It's a a good moment between two characters that I never thought would meet. I never thought we'd get to see that, but I'm glad we did. So that's probably the the nicest way that I could end uh, this whole comic uh, crossover event. That's a good note to end on, but there's a couple things that I would like to hammer home with these last couple appearances.
0: War of the Bounty Hunters, number five, epilogue, part two. If I said epilogue the first time, I talked about the epilogue of War of the Bounty Hunters, number five.
1: Uh, Kira's doing a rallying meeting for Crimson Dawn. This was a really good beginning. Uh, Instability and Chaos will follow this event, creating big opportunities for us. Await the rain, and it's like a chant, like,
0: await the rain. Yeah!
1: Uh, this speech is to known characters like Des and Margot, who I haven't really talked about in this comic series, but that's like her right hand woman. Uh, she was also in solo a Star Wars story. Uh, but it's also to characters that we don't know much about. The Knights of Wren are there from the sequel trilogy in this when she's giving her speech to Crimson Dawn. we see the Knights of Wren and we see some characters that haven't really been identified yet. Uh, so Crimson Dawn is huge. they got spies everywhere. We've got Slymore. Devil on Pop, and one more that I'm about to reveal, so that was the end of the War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries. It's a big rallying call, like Crimson Dawn, we're back, and the next big crossover event is going to be called Crimson Rain. It's happening right now, and I'm behind, so I'll be sure to cover that when it finishes up uh, later this year.
0: War of the Bounty Hunters 17, part two. Kind of an epilogue to War of the Bounty Hunters. Uh, Cut the last part.
1: In the epilogue to the last Bounty Hunters comic of the crossover event, uh, we flash forward a little bit and we see that Vader has Valence all rebuilt. And he's going to work for the Empire, likely hunting down those Crimson Dawn spies. Dengar is rescued from a giant sea beast, so he's he was stranded on that ice cube. Dastix saves him, um, but then Dengar has to give her what he must have promised to her back on Canto Bite which is a map to the Unbroken Clan's heir that was being protected by Valence. So, again, the Bounty Hunters plotline, but that's another really big crime syndicate that's really tied into the story. Because in the next scene, Kira then welcomes this Unbroken Clan into Crimson Dawn by giving them the map to the heir as a gift. So, Crimson Dawn will now be the villain of that Bounty hunter series. They've grown even more powerful by having another syndicate under their umbrella.
0: Darth Vader number 17, part 2.
1: Uh, we cut to Ochi. He's defeated Slymore. I guess they fought again. Uh, Ochi arrested her and brought her to Masameda, the big blue guy with the horns, uh, Palpatine's like right hand man, uh, for trial. Uh, Vader storms in and chokes Sly with the Force, but a hologram Emperor interrupts him. Palpatine then orders Vader, like hey, stop uh, and find Crimson Dawn. Sp- okay, let me try that in a Palpatine voice. Find the Crimson Dawn spies and kill them. Kill them all. That's not a quote, but I just wanted to read it like that. Uh, he gives Vader a legion of death troopers, so
0: the the
1: the guys with the funny voices, uh, but spooky, like, green eyes that were in Rogue One. They're kind of Krennic's goons in that movie. But Vader, he wants assassins, so he tells Ochi, hey, go, go to the League of, like, he says just the League, but I think it's, like, the League of Master Assassins. The League of Assassins must be taken. Um... Like Fennec Shand is a master assassin, so is Ochi. So he goes to this league. They he's like, "Hey, work for the they work for the Empire now. Like, let them know that." So Ochi goes there, and then the, the league's like, "Yeah, we got a we got a surprise for you, Ochi." And they show him that they have Kira captured. So Ochi's like, "Does anybody else know about this?" And they're like, "No, like we wanted to tell you." And then Ochi kills all of them, and then frees Kira. He bows down to her, and this really demonstrates that. Vader's not the biggest power in the galaxy anymore. Ochi serves the biggest power in the galaxy. That power is Kira, at least from his perspective. But that that's a really... If you're following that through line through all of the War of the Bounty Hunters, that's really powerful that, like, Ochi has recognized the power of Crimson Dawn is even greater than the Sith, the dark side. Does he go back to the Emperor at some point in the next 30 years? Or is he still working for Crimson Dawn when he kills Rey's parents? Like, does it go that far? That's why I wanted to end on it, because it's just a mind... that. There's so many mind-blown mind, blow, mind blown things throughout this whole series, but, like, that's the big one for me. It's like, what what are they going to do with Ochi now? And I know he's appearing in the Crimson Rain series. I think he still might be working with Vader a little bit, but, like, this is a really interesting character to me, and I, I want everything about Ochi. I want an Ochi book. I want an Ochi TV show. I think he's going to show up in the Shadows of the Sith book that features Lando and Luke uh, around the time that they go to Pasana and Lando stays there. I think he'll appear in that. I think that's a sure bet, but I want more Ochi. So that's the last piece of this big crossover event. So I'd like to thank you for listening to my thoughts on this. It was a bit of a recap of everything, but I had a couple freakouts along the way, like the Ochi stuff. Like I'm really passionate about that, and I want to see where they go. Um, it is really excited to see. It is really exciting to see Kira again, uh, and I love all the interactions between our characters that we haven't seen on screen together in forever like you got Luke, Leia Chewie, Lando in their prime all talking to each other it's really fun and I hope you go and give this comic a shot because I did cover everything but like I'm covering what happened and I'm describing some of the art in there but like the art on some of these are fantastic Um, I read some Marvel like superhero comics too and I think these comics are up there with like some of the best uh, Marvel comics that have been Put out so I'd highly recommend going and tracking down at least the the trade paperback for the miniseries war of the Bounty Hunters which is just the first story that I told alpha and then one through five you'll get the majority of the story that way um, but of course if you need things filled in let me know come and listen to this again whatever you gotta do so thank you for listening this was the Star Wars skinny I hope this episode turns out to be semi skinny I'm hoping it's under two hours. Uh, I don't really have a good sense of how long I've been talking, so um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at StarWarsSkinny, McCool 35 on uh, TikTok and Oculus. We'll see you for the next one. I don't know what the next one's going to be. I'm going to start transitioning into Kenobi stuff soon, but I think there's a couple things left from Boba Fett season that have to get uh, that have skinnies that need to be given. So we'll see you. See you then pa <laughs> pa <laughs>